4,000 feet uh, speed, uh, 180 knots, one double jingle. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie Fly Girl Kelly. And it's Fly Alyssa. And we are here in Nashville, Tennessee. Nash Vegas, baby. That's right. <laughs> and we have got a really cool Fly Girl chick with us, Elena Lewis, that we cannot wait to introduce you to. But that is hard to restrain after they plant the seed, spreading around in my brain like a social so I've been following you, Elena, for a while on Instagram at Culver Props. Is that correct? Is that mm-hmm. the right yeah, yep. handle for you? And I love what you do, and I can't wait for you to share what you do here with our listeners. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I just drug her down here with me. She didn't want to come. Her family <laughs> wanted to keep her tucked away in the shop making props, but uh, I... I reached out and I thought she needed the girls weekend and I think that we've all really enjoyed this and uh, I can't wait to share her story with you guys so yeah I have enjoyed spending time with you Alina oh thank you yeah you and I have chatted on Instagram and I knew that I would like you <laughs> that you know I just really enjoy what seeing what you do when you show kind of the work that you do it's a very different kind of role that you have in aviation as a female and um, so just tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. So I just, I make fixed pitch two blade wooden props. They're just very basic props and I make them a hundred percent in house. So I just, I make them start to finish. I get the lumber del- delivered to my shop and then from there I just go ahead and make it into a prop. Say you started a prop and from start to finish, if you were doing nothing else, waiting for it to dry, doing all of those things, how long do you think it would take you to start to finish? So it takes about six days start to finish. Um, the first day you cut it out and you glue it up. Um, it has to stay in the press for 14 hours for the glue to cure. So then the second day you carve it in the lathe. The third day you sand it out and then it gets two coats of varnish. So It could be five, six days right in there. Okay, so how did you get into this line of work? What's the history behind Culver Props? Um, So it was basically all started from my dad and my grandpa. Um, My grandpa was a crop duster. He had a heart attack, and they took his medical. So then he, um, he just designed his own ultralight after that. So he designed his own ultralight. They did VW engines. And he also designed a prop speed reduction unit, which allowed him to swing a much larger diameter propeller. And also, with those large diameter propellers with a reduction drive, you can swing a prop that is has a wider tip. So he had a propeller designed by Culver Props that had a wider tip than your average prop. He called to order a prop one day, and... They said, no, we're out of business. And he said, well, what if we, can we buy your business? So they got all the money that they had in their bank accounts and they bought Culver Props. Now that's the only part going. We don't make the ultralights anymore or any of the other stuff. It's just the props. Yeah. So this is like uh, not a huge operation. No, it's uh, me and my best friend, Katrina. She helps me out. And it's just the two of us all day. 
We were talking um, briefly yesterday, I think, and you were talking about one of the one of the more physically demanding jobs that you had was was it like a fifty four inch? What was the size of that prop you were talking about? Um, so I have a hundred and three inch prop, but it wow. had like an something like an eight inch hub thickness. So the prop probably weighed right around forty pounds. So that's a big deal to do the hub and sand it because you're just holding the prop up the entire time to move it through the sander for the hub. So it was like sanding for like one minute and then resting and then sand for one minute. And that's all I had in me was just to hold it up for like a minute at a time to sand out the hub. So So that was like, and they're awkward. So because they're so long, it's, they're kind of hard to hold. Yeah. Basically. And I, you know, I'd asked you about your competitors and it was Mm -hmm. uh, interesting to hear how, it sounded like there were like maybe three other competitors, but they each kind of had their own sort of niche. So they weren't really direct competitor competitors necessarily. Tell me who your competitors are. What makes you different than, than them? So um, my competitors are going to be anybody who makes an experimental prop. So my props are entirely experimental. I don't do any certified props. Um, but Cato Propellers is a really great propeller company. Performance Propellers is also really great. Prince Propellers is also one that's kind of in my area that makes experimental props. Um, Cincinnati also, as well, um, makes some some non some experimental props. So those are my probably my main competitors, but they all have like special areas. My area is more in World War One replicas, like patterns that aren't available anymore that customers want, so that they're period specific to their plane. Um, so something like a, a design for a World War One plane that doesn't exist anymore is kind of what I do. So I will go in, they'll send me a picture, they'll send me what they want it to look like, they'll send me the dimensions. Sometimes there's even blueprints that come with it. And then I take all that and make it into a prop that looks correct for that plane for the era that it was originally built in. Yeah. yeah. Are these expensive, having these things made? Uh, yeah. Some of them I've... Well, it takes a while to, you know, make your name. So I've done a lot of them for next to nothing, sometimes because I just love the project and I wanted it so bad. Um, but yeah, they're really time consuming. They take a lot of materials. Um, one of them I worked on for roughly about a year. And I oh didn't, my goodness. I didn't technically work on it a year as more as I worried about it for a year because they gave me the original World War One prop. And so I had to put wow. it in my machine without damaging it. Yeah. So it took me a long time to figure out how to do it and to be brave enough to do it because, I mean, it would just absolutely kill me inside if I messed up a prop with, like, that much historical significance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was a lot a lot of pressure, but it was also my most rewarding build to date. Yeah, so how long have you been doing this? I feel like you said something about 10 years. Yeah, so my, let's see, yeah, 10, 10 years for sure that I've been sanding props um, probably 2007 is when I started working there, but it, it's probably actually really, really making them about 10 years. Okay. Start to finish yeah. doing it all by myself. Well, so it sounds cool. And if what I really liked about it are, are the videos you put on Instagram oh, yeah. and the <laughs> stories and how you show how you actually do things is, is really interesting. And you can be sort of I don't know if creative is the word, but, you know, you use like these different kinds of wood sometimes where there's two-tone wood um, Mm -hmm. props that just look like 
works of art. How do you decide? Oh, do you make suggestions to the person that wants a prompt? How does the whole, do you, or do they ever come to you and be like, I don't know what I need, but I need a prop. Help me figure out what I need. Oh, sure. So sometimes, so there's two ways to do it. You have your guys who know exactly what they want because, like I said, they have, they're replicating a plane. And so they bring me a picture and say, like the Canadian Museum, I can't, Canadian Air Force Museum. No, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, um, they came to me and they were making a triplane. And they said um, they just had a normal, normal propeller on there. But a triplane is actually iconic for what's called an axial profile. And it's a German prop and it is symmetrical. The whole blade is symmetrical all the way down to the tip. And it's alternating layers of maple and mahogany. So it's light dark, light dark, and it has a completely symmetrical blade. Um, kind of a paddle blade is what we call it. Um, so I pulled up a picture of a World War One ace standing in front of his triplane, and it had, you know, that propeller profile. So I submitted that with my proposal for what I would make for them. And they were like, oh, we're really impressed with all your research. And I'm like, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and then some people just like what matches their plane. So sometimes they'll be, I think this looks good on my plane with my paint scheme. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. great. And I make yeah. it that way. And there are woods that I'm limited to. I like to do mahogany, maple, birch, and then sometimes I do cherry, but not very often. Wow. Okay. So if you, do you have like a favorite that you've done or do you, are they all like your babies? <laughs> they're, they're all my favorites, but um, there's a profile that, so we're about the fourth owners of the company. So I have a profile that is my go-to profile for most of my Lycomings and Continentals, and it is just a really scimitar blade, and Mr. Culver made it for one of his neighbors who was building an SE5 prop. So the pattern is named SE5, and it's it's a pattern that Mr. Culver made himself when he started the business, and it still today is one of my top patterns. It always does well. I never get them back once I send them out the door, and I just love the shape of it. And there's something about when you sand it, like it just sands out beautifully every single time. So I'm like, I love that pattern just because it's so, I just use it all the time and it works so versatile. well. Yeah. yeah. It's a versatile go-to for you. Yeah. So everybody just loves the shape. My second one would be my grandpa designed one that's 90 inches long for a Rotec radial engine. And I love the shape of it too. And it's a 90 inch. So it's kind of, it's really a, you will just look at it and it's like, wow. Massive. Yeah, massive. Yeah. So those are probably my two favorite patterns. Yeah. So do you ever have like terrible customers? Like, I mean, you worked on Give that Give us the one. dirt, yeah. <laughs> Nitty gritty. Yeah. So like, I remember you telling me that, you know, you worked with this one person for a year to try to get that just right and perfect for that era and everything but do you ever have someone that's like constantly changing their mind or um, wanting something and then they get it and it's not exactly what they want? Like, how do you go about that? Like, what what is your your worst stories, I guess? So a lot of times the problem runs into where the customer will look at the specifications for their plane online and then give me those numbers and I make a prop off those numbers and then come to find out that they've overbuilt their plane and it weighs like 
you know, way, way more than expected. And they got the smaller engine instead of the bigger engine, which the specs were based off of on the website. Um, so then the customer's expectations are off. And then they, but it's still, the prop is, is kind of like one of the cheapest parts of the airplane. So customers really want it to be the prop that's wrong. <laughs> yes, and, right. um, But so I run into problems if they give me numbers that aren't realistic. I run into problems um, if they have a sick engine and they're not developing power and they're like, this prop isn't working. Well, I think you have a tack off or your engine is sick or things like that. But then I really do have um, people where I I don't get it right. So I always do the first repitch for free if I am allowed to decide the pitch. So if I decide the pitch and you don't hit your numbers you're supposed to, I'll repitch it for free the first time. Mm. But if I do have customers that will say, I want this, and I'm like, you can't pull that number. And they're like, well, yeah, I can, so give me that pitch. Actually, I call it big pitch syndrome. Oh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Because the higher the pitch, generally the faster you go. So when I tell someone Uh. that they may need a 37 pitch, and they're like, no, all my buddies are are flying 45s, you know, 45 inches of Mm. pitch. And I'm like, yeah, but you really – and the part that is frustrating is that men – Propeller manufacturers will stamp the pitch in different numbers because we measure it in different ways. Um, so even though I may say a 37, it may perform the same as a cents an inch 40 or something mm-hmm. like that because we measure them differently. But they just do not like that low pitch number. Hmm. And so we're like, no, 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 that's not right. And then I generally do get those back and then I build them a lower pitch and then it works great. because. But also lower pitch means better climb. Um, mm-hmm. so I throw that in there, right? hoping it will help them right, right. not make a poor decision. I do my very, very best to make sure that they don't, but I do have some people that I just can't get along with. Mm. Um, and then I just tell them, I said, I say, honestly, it will be better for both of us if you find a different manufacturer. So, because I can tell that you're not really excited about what I'm telling you, mm-hmm. and I want you to be happy as much as I want to um, be proud of this product or feel good about what I'm selling you. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, I said, I, I think it's mutually beneficial for both of us. And then I recommend one of the other guys like Performance or Cato because they really are great prop makers yeah. too. Yeah. So, and then hopefully they can they can do what that customer yeah. wants. Yeah. And you also do like decorative stuff because you were talking about that. Like people come to you for like gifts that they want created. Yeah. So decorative props. Well, first of all, I screw up a lot, or I'm a perfectionist. One of the two. But yeah. anyway, I have props that don't make it to airworthy status. Yeah. yeah. And so those go to decorative and. And then I also make some out of lumber that's non-airworthy. So non-airworthy lumber looks like something that it has a knot in it mm. or has a crack in it or something like that. And then I'll just put that in a decorative prop and put it in a place that it can be hidden, um, which, you know, I stamp them non-airworthy. Yeah. But it helps me circle my lumber and um, yeah. then still have something to offer I want people. One. So. How do I get I'll one? I'll make you one. I need one that says Fly Girl on it. Yeah, I'll make Why one. Why does she I'll have one and I one. don't? Because <laughs> it was my birthday. It was my birthday. she made me a pink one. Oh, my uh-huh. gosh. When's your birthday? Tips. It's in March. In March. Yeah. Maybe okay, I can have it done by then. <laughs> 
So what's your lead time for something? Say somebody comes to you with just um, your basic run-of-the-mill prop, like nothing, nothing too crazy. So right now I'm looking at like five months easy. Wow. You're I, that busy. Yeah, I'm that busy. And I, I took on some, like quite a few projects that have to be made from scratch. So sometimes, like we were talking about before, the patterns that aren't here anymore. Yeah. So I will make a pattern and then I bondo it. I put bondo on it until I build it up to the shape, diameter, and pitch and everything that it needs to be. But it's a long process and yeah. Do you it's hate a long it when process. you get things like that? Do you prefer to already have a pattern or is it just like, oh my God, this is going to be a huge project? Oh, it sounds so bad, but it depends <laughs> on the project yeah. and it depends on the person. Okay. I mean, if they're willing to wait and be patient and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. allow yeah. the process, then I think it'd be really fun. Yeah. yeah. But if they're like, hey, how's that going? Like two weeks after you get the request, then yeah. I yeah. had a, a message right before I came in here. The guy goes, I don't know what the hell's happening down there, but I just, I, I want to know where my prop is. And I'm like, oh. I called him like, well, you kind of ordered one of the most difficult props there is, and I am making it from scratch from a profile that I don't have, and I'm like... (laughs) But you're not, like, late, are you? I mean, you kind of told him it was going to be a while. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I told him it was going to be a while, but but they don't, like, so I'm like... it's going to be a while, and but I still have to feed in orders that orders for other customers to cover my costs and everything along the way. So yeah. I can't take like two months off and not make anybody True. else a prop. Yeah. I have to work this design in as I go, which makes them take longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't tell everybody else because I mean I have like three of those big projects. Yeah, because then order. you you would have to literally stop everything else, and then you'd have to charge triple. Mm-hmm. quadruple for that project Time, because yeah. you are just doing that project yeah mm-hmm. yeah i would have mm-hmm. to yeah so it gets kind of complicated to work things in like that but you know i did have the customer i worked on his prop for a year never called me once oh not wow. once he, he just, trusted you yeah he just yeah. he came he dropped the prop off he told me what he wanted and i did not hear a word from him for the whole year yeah, and wow. I called him. I said, "I have your prop ready," and Aww. I said, "But I want to bring it to you because he was like, he's eighty. No, he's going to be ninety on wow. April twelfth. Wow! And I got invited to his birthday party, and he's like, I said, I'll bring it to you because you know it's COVID, and I didn't want him traveling and everything. So I was like, I'll just bring it to you and drop it off real fast, you know, so everything's great. Because yeah. I'm like, I spent a year making it. I'm not going to ship this thing on." truck freight yeah yeah (laughs) do people come to you often like personally or do you do most of your stuff like online or via email or phone calls yeah most of it is email and phone call very few people actually come to the shop like maybe one a month maybe yeah Yeah. not much so I have to say like you guys really have to see this shop if you haven't watched (laughs) her YouTube channel because do you have a YouTube channel Oh, it's like a baby oh, YouTube I didn't know channel. That. But yeah, oh, is that where yeah. you show some of your some of the clips you get from like you put on Instagram? As yeah, well? I okay. try to show a longer process of it, but I really hate editing. <laughs> What's the name of your YouTube channel? It's just Culver Props. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, to, yeah, so I decided to take a little road trip and go visit Elena and. Um, I was welcomed by her wonderful children. Uh, they were so excited to see Fly Alyssa, which I feel is like my alter ego that's actually cool. Uh, 
But, yeah, so she tells me how to get there. You know, you get the turn left at the rock pile instructions <laughs> along with the actual, like, address. Yeah. So I knew I was going to the country. But uh, when I turned down the road, it's kind of one of those, like, places where, you know, it says no trespassing, you know, that kind of thing. So you make it shot kind I, of thing? I swear. Yeah, that's my grandma and she <laughs> I swear there were banjos playing. <laughs> but it's the cutest little shop. Um, you know, it's a family-owned business. It's I, what I call shopping local. It's not – it doesn't have to be local to you. It can be local, just small mom-and-pop shops. You know, to see the different things you have hanging on the walls and just to see the process. And, you know, it's a a machine shed kind of Mm -hmm. um, space, a Mm -hmm. garage, you know, at your family's home. And that's really cool that, um, you know, working for Hooker Harness, they kind of have that same business. You know, it's like most people think, oh, this huge name has this huge factory and we can get things out to you off the shelf tomorrow. When in reality, everything we make is custom, you know, same thing for you. It's not like you just have things laying around ready to ship because you don't want them sitting there forever, you know, so you make them one off for every single customer. So that's special to you. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool. And I love that it's family owned and that that it kind of landed in your lap. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I love to see you working with the big machines. You know, it's not (laughs) like, like, she's such a badass making these props. And it's so funny when I have all these guy friends and like, I want to go see Elena. (laughs) (laughs) Like she's just a human, you know, she's so badass, but yeah. Yeah. You really are. You know, you're like really sweet too. And you're just like so well-rounded. And it's interesting to hear about your little chickens and everything else that oh, yeah. you you put them in, or your daughters put them in shows and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what my girls do. They show chickens, and um, Abigail got into showing lambs, so show Katahdin's. And my friend Katrina that helps me at the shop, she's, like, super, super big into it. So she's the one that talked me into going all the shows out of state and stuff like that. And my daughters are like... Oh, yeah, so we'll load up, you know, 30 chickens and go a couple states away and show them. And my kids come home with trophies and all sorts of stuff, and they think it's great, and they love it. And it teaches them responsibility and caring for other things, and it's it's really great for them. Okay, so you mentioned something before, and then we were talking a little bit. You sort of touched on it when we were at dinner. Uh, Was it dinner or maybe it was lunch today? That you were helping, you were at Oshkosh, I think, and you helped judge, was it Oshkosh? Mm-hmm. You were helping judge what? Explain what you did there and how do you? How did you get that position? I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny thing. Um, we sold a plane to a guy and an ultralight and he brought it up to the show and kept it in our booth and we were filling out the paperwork for his airplane in the red barn and one of the judges came in and was talking to him and he goes, hey, I bet, I bet you need somebody to shadow you, don't you? And he goes, well, 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 and Bob was his name, the guy that um, came. And he's like, I, I think this girl needs to come shadow you while you judge. And he goes, well, we can probably arrange that. And he goes, be, be, at, be at the uh, trailer tomorrow at 9. 
So I just showed up and I'm like, hey. <laughs> I don't know what like, I'm doing here. Yeah, yeah. it's like, it was a Did you five, know what you were judging? Yeah, uh, judging for home built and ultralights yeah. at Oshkosh yeah. for the Lindy's, yeah. the Lindy Awards. Right. So I so shadowed. They just pick anybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to shadow one year, but they did give me the little Blackberry Palm Pilot thing and I got to actually like submit my how I graded everybody. Yeah. And the first couple, I'm like, yeah, they're great airplanes. They're great airplanes. And then we got into some of the show planes. So I'm like, oh, oh I did oh. not leave myself room to. So so what kind of guidance did you get or how do you judge these planes? What are you looking for? So it's really interesting because we also have, like, I learned so much. And then the next year, I actually got to really judge in it what my opinion actually counted, which was great. Mm-hmm. But I was like, when I... One of the only girls. I think there have been girls on there in the past, but so I got to ride around in a golf cart with these guys all over oh, Oshkosh. And it was nice. great, but yeah. you judge in the mornings, and then so basically you're looking for the cleanliness of the airplane. If they one of the categories, there, there's a book. There's actually a book, and I had to read it all and see the categories that you got to be judged on. But creativity is also an innovation. Can also be one of the things that are judged on. But it's also like just like their paint job and how good it is, how good the covering it is. Um, and it has to be done, I think, like at least 51 percent by the uh, by the owner. Um, so it can't be like one of the planes where they I'm pretty sure bought it. Yeah, yeah, they can't just buy it. They had to help build it. And so there was a lot of planes and it can't be a manufacturer. So there's there's rules like that. And then you you just kind of look at them on some of them are just, I mean, they're incredible and the upgrades they have or the new unique things that they've done whenever they built them. And some of them are just absolutely immaculate. Um, some of them you can't even see like the tape that covers the ribs cause they have so many coats of paint on them. You can't even mm. see any like tape over the ribs or tape like bias over the wingtips. You can't even see any of that. And then there's a lot, there's several different categories, but you just go through and judge them all. But I learned so much, and I then I would go home and study. We did a lot of kit boxes. I didn't know all the upgrades and different versions of a kit box, so you have to. I I don't know any up. of that. Yeah. I wouldn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I just asked the other judges, "Hey, what does this mean? Or why is that good? Or is that new? Is is that <laughs> so?" Yeah. They were they were very kind to me and my lack of knowledge for some of that stuff, but. Covering, I, I've done a lot of covering. I've covered about 20 ultralights. So, oh, wow, um, cool. I was, I had some experience there. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. But when you see a winner, like, you know, it's just like hands down. Oh, oh my gosh, that's wow. amazing. Yeah. Um, they kind of frown on stickers. They like a lot mm-hmm. of paint, mm-hmm. like painted yeah. graphics on them, not just a yellow plane that was painted well and then they stuck a bunch of stickers on it to make it look fancy. I don't know much about the ultralights, but I always liked walking around the, um, are they the, like the vintage ones with that, that they, they keep them in the period, like they'll totally redo the insides and keep them like use the period fabrics and period mm-hmm. colors and things like that. And then I think those look so cool. I love walking around Absolutely. looking at those. They yeah. have so much character. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how many different categories they actually have that they judge. I what will tell they? you, don't camp in vintage along the flight line unless you want to wake up at 6 o'clock every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah. 
I'm assuming they have what? They have the vintage, the ultralights mm-hmm. you were just talking about. Home what built. else do they judge? Home yeah, belt. home belts and ultralights are kind of in. Um, I mean, they have categories of it. Do they judge the warbirds? Because they have the section. Do they? Okay. Yep, they I do. do. So warbirds. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's something else besides vintage. Is World War One a separate kind of thing that they would do? I don't know. I don't think they do World War. Yeah, II. we'd have to look at all of yeah. the different yeah. categories that yeah. you can enter. Mm-hmm. Vintage is huge, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But I'm really sad for anyone who was building a plane this year and then didn't get to show it because it's really hard to keep them clean the entire uh, year, yeah. you know, till you come back. They also take, you know, if they fly it every day into consideration too. But like, if you walk up to a plane to be judged and it's asked to be judged and like the floorboard has dirt and stuff all over it. It's like, well, I know you blew it this morning, but you're also oh, asked to have it judged. Yeah, so right. like, you well, know, you, you, you kind of putting yourself in that spot to keep it. S- yeah. Spot, you yeah. want them to bring their very, very best because ultimately that goes in the experimenter. The pictures yeah. of the planes that win go in the experimenter and you kind of want to have that, you know, mm. that picture that, yeah, this plane is that yeah. awesome. Yeah. By the way, as we were walking around recording this, I'm handing uh, Elena the computer. She has no idea what's going <laughs> on. I'm like, here, you take this. I'm going to go over here and do this. <laughs> you handled that very the flawlessly. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm always so quiet. Everyone's like, I can't hear you, even on you my You just kept Instagram. talking. It was like I'm walking around <laughs> taking video. <laughs> it is now 10.30 on a Saturday night, I think. Yeah. And we are in Nashville in bed yeah. in yeah. our jams. Yeah. Yeah. trying to uh, do a podcast. Yeah, so. we kind of thought of this last minute. We were sitting out uh, in the like one of the Atrium. conservatory things, yeah. yeah, and we're drinking wine by ourselves. Three bottles, <laughs> three people. We each had our own bottle, personal <laughs> bottle, and we're like, why don't we go do a podcast right now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we need right to do now. one, so let's do it right now. Right now, yeah. So uh, you're kind of around aviation, obviously. Have you ever had a desire to learn to fly and be a pilot? Yeah. So I've only ever flew with my grandpa, open cockpit, ultralights. And the only other plane I flew was Dick Stark's Taub, World War I replica that they made um, from a kit. And then like a month after I flew in it, they decided it was non-airworthy. It was going to get somebody killed and put in a museum. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's wow. the only two planes I've ever flown in. And oh. then... A couple weeks ago, I decided, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to take a lesson. So I went to Lebanon, Missouri. So my closest airport that gives lessons is an hour away. So I did an introductory flight. And I'm like, man, that's the first time I've ever been in a closed cockpit airplane. It's the first time I've ever went that fast, like, ever in my life. Wow. It's the first time. And the first time I had flown in, like, 13 years. So we're Mm -hmm. taking off, and, and he's like, so, uh, and I'm going, ah, it's, uh, and I couldn't get any words out. And I'm like, a little overwhelming. Oh. And he goes, that's okay. You've got it. You've had it for a while now. I'm like, oh. You were flying. <laughs> flying, I didn't yeah. know it. <laughs> what were you in? A 172? A warrior. A warrior, okay. Oh, warrior. yeah. Yeah. The Piper. <laughs> the low wing, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I've had two <clears throat> lessons. It's really yeah, great. Good. I love it. And then... This was, Sunday would have been my third lesson, but the airplane was rented out to go somewhere else. And Melissa was like, hey, go with me. And yeah. Like, okay. So then I just get in one and come all the way to Tennessee. What did you think about that, that long trip? Had you ever done anything was, that, like that before? Yeah. Nothing that long. My longest lesson was 1.2 hours. Okay. And yeah. um, so 
And it was like, no big deal. No You're big perfectly deal. comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I'm still tense and don't know I'm tense. And of course, when I get done, and then with you're the tired. Lesson, yeah, I'm, you're I'm so tired. I noticed she was really tired today. We flew to Chattanooga from yeah. Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like anxious, excited, but also just this buildup. And mm-hmm. flying is very exhausting, mm-hmm. especially when you're in that learning process. Even mm-hmm. to go flying with people, it's still a little bit stressful and like, in your learning and you're trying to figure everything out. So uh, during my lessons, I mean, I would go to lesson and then go to work. Sometimes I would be noon and I was like, man, I really need a nap. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can fry your brain. I don't know why it is exactly. (laughs) And it always takes like twice as long as you think it's going to take. Remember our lunch was going to be, oh, we're going to zoom out there and zoom right back. And it was, what time did we get back? We didn't even end up getting back to that hotel until about 5. And yeah. we, we left for the airport, pre-flighted everything. We were ready to go at 10 or so. And, you know, we're like, oh, we'll go to lunch. We'll fly back. And we needed to be back by 2.30 for Macy. And the flight was but less than an hour. Later, it was like, yeah. And then you, by the time you put the plane away and do everything, it's like it always takes longer than what you expect. Yeah. So moral of the story, we all need to live on airport runways so we can just pull it in our garage <laughs> yes, and call it Exactly. <laughs> I noticed the apartments they're building next to um, the airport we flew out of, which was Mike 5-4, and they're amazing there. I was like, man, that would be awesome if you flew mm-hmm. to live right there next to the airport. Yeah, no, I yeah, was thinking yeah. there's the hangar apartment we got to see yeah. today. Like, oh yeah, that was, it's very basic, but I could live basic if I just got to like look at my airplane out my kitchen window and look at airplanes every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah the hangar door open. Yeah. <laughs> hangar yeah. door open. Come on in. Yeah, I yeah. hate that you're so you're an hour away from where you can take lessons. Yeah, I am. So, wow. but usually like. I try to book mine early in the morning so that I can go, I can do it, and then I can get back because, you know, the kids sleep in on the weekends. So yeah. I don't lose a lot of time with them. So I'm usually home. Um, even though my lesson is usually around 9, roughly, I still – I'll get home, like, around noon, yeah. roughly. Yeah. But the kids Absolutely. have just woke up and got done watching all their cartoons. Yeah. And, and they're ready so. for you being mom mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mom, mom, mom. But yeah. it's great. Yeah. yeah. So, but also like it's so exhausting because I'm still trying to learn. So, even on the flight that I'm not flying, like w- listening to you and Lee and what you were talking about and what you were looking for and stuff like that, I'm like just like trying to soak it all up, like all of it, like as fast as you can. Paying attention. And that's yeah. exhausting. Like just yeah. trying to like literally learn as fast as you can. I'm like, mm-hmm. like what'd you say? What'd you mean? But what you're you so mean? excited about it. Yeah, and, like so excited. And I kept asking you, like, are you okay? Are you good? Like I knew you weren't like bumpy. Yeah, issues, yeah. but like you were so quiet that I was like, <laughs> she having fun. <laughs> I'm always worried that people aren't having fun flying. Yeah. And I have so much fun flying. So it's like if you're not having fun, it doesn't make me happy. Right. You know, because right. it's like yeah. it's like, oh man, this is like I love it so much. Like what can I do to make it better for other people? And that's why I think making you come with me on this trip is so important because not only are you learning to fly at your little airport and it's, it's a struggle some days it's exhausting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the gratification to be able to meet up in Nashville, Tennessee, it was only a two hour flight. Yeah. There's 
seven to 11 people that we got together every, you know, night and from all over, from all over. We ran into people we know on Instagram. We ran into people that took pictures and we got to fly other planes and Mm -hmm. to make all of those connections and to get to fly to lunch. Like most people can't say that they flew to lunch. Like even we were on the boat ride at the hotel tonight and they're like, did you guys have fun today? And I'm like, I wanted to be like, we flew to Chattanooga. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do? That's right. That's well, right. I'm incredibly thankful that you guys invited me Aww. because it's been yeah. awesome. Yeah. It really has. Yeah. Glad to have you. Yeah. I do feel like every time I get to fly, I feel like this is not what everybody does. This, this is pretty isn't special. What people do. Yeah. It's so yeah. special. And I think that's why sharing it for me is so important. Yeah. And, you know, last weekend I was able to fly someone who was. 80 some odd years old that had never flown before in an airplane. And I don't realize the significance of that until after. And I'm like, holy moly, like, yeah, yeah, this is normal for me now. And mm-hmm. how don't take that for granted. Like, always no. share this with people because, you know, how many people get to do this? Like, this is just amazing to me. And yeah. I don't ever want people to put me in this box that's untouchable that, oh, she just flies airplanes all the time around. Like, I want people to um, get to share that yeah. experience. Right, and right. I know. I mean, a lot of people think it's just uh, a rich person's hobby, but... I'll tell you it is not yeah. a rich person's <laughs> hobby. It's just... You really can make it happen if you have, if you have really your priorities. And I think you need to realize that if you spend all your money on stuff, it's not going to fill you up as much as, you know, having all these experiences and making these memories with all these people that, you know, we absolutely travel around. Yeah. So why do you want to learn to fly? What, what got you, what's, what's your goal with it? Gosh, generally I don't tell people. Haven't you seen that? What? I love this quote that says, what does it say? Have your goals, keep them to yourself and clap for yourself. I've never heard <laughs> that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and clap oh. for yourself. So yeah. that like, you, you don't have to let anybody down. It's you, yourself. Yeah, my, it's your, you, you get the gratification. Yeah. It's not for anybody else but yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, so um, before my grandpa passed away, which was unexpected, mm. um, so it, he was working on a, a two-seat ultralight. Um, it wasn't ultralight, so it's light sport. But, I okay. mean, it's, like, very, very light, lightly built. Okay. A light, light. Mm-hmm. Sport. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. And um, so I would love for to be able to fly that at mm-hmm. Oshkosh mm-hmm. like he did. Okay. Um, yeah. So that would be like my ultimate. You kind of have gets, that in the back of your mind. It's a goal. That you right. That. Yeah. So like even though it, it may not be something I go cross country and like what that stuff is not so much my goal right now, I should say, as getting his plane finished and you know, possibly flying it at Oshkosh, like what he envisioned it doing would be like just a living really, his legacy. A really and, important thing for me to do. Yeah, and like a connection that you feel like you... I helped you, him you know. build most of mm. Like, not most of it, so... Um, but there were a lot of the parts. So Grandpa had two torn rotator cuffs, mm. and two, both of his knees were replaced and stuff, so I helped him do a lot of things. Um, so I helped him with with a fair amount of it. So it would be really cool to fly the last plane that he and I worked on together. Would that be, would be really cool. It would be really I can't awesome. say that I have that opportunity. You know, I don't have anything like that. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty pretty uh, special and unique. 
So Definitely. I hope I get to get that I done. I do too. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool. So, um, well, anything else you want to say about what you do or? Oh, me? No. <laughs> you, I'm you, good. any of us. Of course, nobody can us. see us staring at each other. <laughs> I'm like so easy going. I'm like, it's you, all good. You, it's good. You. I'm just happy to be here. Just happy to be here. That's all. You also had, so we were sitting down when we were down there by the, um, with all the little kids walking around in their Halloween costumes uh-huh. and we were drinking our wine. Uh, you were talking about some of the other women you've connected with on, on Instagram um, mm-hmm. and point, point some out to me, which were very unique um, individuals as well. Do you find that other women or any, like on Instagram or wherever, kind of help and keep you inspired and help you want to, you know, keep doing new things and pushing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the um, aircraft mechanics that I'm friends with on Instagram and stuff are really cool because I kind of, like, I'm not a pilot yet, so I'm like, I don't really, I can't talk to talk or have the experiences that they have. The AMPs and stuff like that on Instagram, the women mechanics are are fun to watch because I know that they do a lot of the technical stuff. And so they're really great for me to follow because it's like we do a little bit of the same kind yeah. of stuff, you know, yeah. working with equipment and stuff like right. that. So they're really fun. But, yeah, like I was so happy because, you know, in my town, I live in a small town, like 500 people. So that's just, pretty small. Yeah. So just <laughs> yeah. Instagram in general, being able to keep me connected to the aviation community yeah. as a whole, like all the time has been like super incredible yeah. for me. I can't imagine there's many aviation people in your town. No. 500. Yeah. Mm, not yeah. a whole lot. Yeah. So, and it's also one of these things where you tell people what you do, what you do. And they're like, yeah. oh, sure you do, honey. Uh, I'm like, no, I really, like, really, no, really, do. I really do. But they don't really know because they're not involved in, in, in that. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, so Instagram and Facebook mm. and all that has been super, super great to yeah. stay around people who speak your language. Yeah, yeah right. And I think it definitely connects you mm-hmm. in ways that you don't even realize until like weekends like this happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And today, crazy enough, we ran into somebody and we ended up stealing the keys from Chattanooga. <laughs> yeah. And a guy met us from Instagram and took them back for us. So yeah. it's kind of crazy your reach and your people that you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, we wouldn't be friends, Natalie, if it weren't for social media. Totally. No. Yeah. So it's no. crazy how things transpire yeah. when when you use those things just to keep you inspired, to keep mm-hmm. you positive to have somebody understand what you're going through or mm-hmm. what you're doing and that it matters because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's hard to reach out to people that don't understand right like your town of 500 yeah. they don't understand it yeah yeah they just don't yeah well there's nothing wrong with that but yeah, they're supportive they of me yeah like, they support me and whatever right. i do they're great people but like to go up there and tell them you know certain specifics mm-hmm. about my day then it's hard to, to relate. To relate, yeah. yeah. So so social media has been really, really great about um, connecting me yeah. that way. Well, hopefully you felt, because when you came on this trip, I guess you only had met Alyssa. Oh, yeah. Personally, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So you came on this trip and you didn't know anyone. Hopefully yeah. you felt welcome. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's been great, amazing. I mean, like 
I'm so glad. I was like, this has been like really, yeah. really, yeah. it's nice. It was like at Oshkosh, everything, air shows in general, it's so busy. You can't hardly like really, really get to know people. Yeah. But this trip, we like really, really got to know each other. It's like, everybody's great. Do you, so you actually, you said you had a, have a booth or something when you go to air shows? Is it oh, just yeah. Osh and Sun and Fun? No, I only do Oshkosh. Okay. Um, and I went, I've been to Oshkosh for 30 years. But there's only <laughs> like two of you. So who works yeah. your booth? Oh, no, my family helps they me. They do. They yeah, they'll all take a shift. Okay. They'll all take a shift. Yeah. Um, so we all stay in the same campground. So yeah. we all take shifts, and um, especially in the mornings when I go do my judging. So I yeah. usually have the booth from, like, noon on. Yeah. And now that they do the stole comp. we're in the ultralight area. Oh. So now that they do the stole competition at 7. Yeah. Like, you can really, honest to goodness, be at your booth from 9 in the morning till yeah. 9 at night. Yeah. After it's a long you know, day, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah Oshkosh is, is like a marathon, yeah, it is, it is. And by the end, I will sleep the whole 10 hours mm. there because the first two weeks getting ready for it and getting everything together mm-hmm. is exhausting. So I will sleep the whole 10 hour drive to Oshkosh, yeah, and I sleep the whole 10 hour drive, yeah, yeah. I sleep the entire thing, yeah. Like, I literally they just wake me up to say we're at a gas station, <laughs> yeah, okay. So if we Ever go back to Osh, which hopefully we will yes. next year. We're going to assume that it's on again. I want to, can I like um, shadow you when you do the judging thing? Yeah, And probably. see what that's yeah. all about? I think that'd yeah. be cool. No, yeah. stop using. Oh, yes. <laughs> These are my friends. <laughs> She's my friend too. Actually, yeah. Paul Buss is the guy who runs it and he is really, really incredible. So my grandpa used to get really upset because we'd asked to have our ultralight judge and they would come by and look at it, and we never won anything. And we're like, my grandpa gets so mad. Well, come to find out, I didn't even know one of the rules is you can't be a manufacturer. You can't win as a oh, manufacturer. Oops. So he pulled me aside, and he's like, I really, really admired your grandpa. He was a great guy, and I'm sorry that he always judging. felt like that. And he explained it all to me, and Aww. I was like, oh, I said, he would, you know, like, after he, I said, that that's fine. I completely get it. I totally get it. And he's like, but I'm so happy to have you. I would love you to come help us. And he is like the nicest guy. I was so upset. I didn't get to see him this year because all those judges are like really, really great people. Yeah. And funny. Oh my gosh. Riding around with them on a golf cart. I'm sure. I'm sure it is really fun. Okay. Well, Thank you so much, Alina. Oh, I think that's great. Me. So, if you are listening and you haven't seen uh, any of Elena's work, tell them where to find you on YouTube and on Instagram. So, on YouTube, I'm not even really sure how that works, but it's just Culver Crops. So <laughs> yeah. I think if you just type that in, yeah. I'm sure you'll stuff. find that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Instagram is just Culver Crops and my Facebook um, too. And yep. That's pretty much it. So you it. have a Culver Props page on uh-huh. Facebook? I have a Facebook okay. page, yeah. um, an Instagram page, mm-hmm. and then a YouTube kind of, sort of. Yeah. So when can, <laughs> where can people come, and when can they come visit your museum? <laughs> <laughs> you can come see me anytime. <laughs> where do you, are you in Missouri? I'm in Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm in central Missouri. Yeah. And we live way out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So it is. I can attest to that. With chickens. And uh-huh. yeah. You drive until you think you're lost, and then you go, like, 
a little bit further. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you see all the dogs. Yes. <laughs> you have dogs, kids, motorcycles. Yeah. yeah. All the all the happenings. Goats, chickens, right? <laughs> yeah. <that stuff>. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. This is Natalie Fly Girl Kelly. And Fly Alyssa. And this is Cockpits and Cocktails. Yay. Cheers, ladies. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Cockpits and Cocktails with your hosts Natalie Flygirl Kelly and Fly Alyssa. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time for a lively discussion on aviation, aerospace, the air travel industry, and all things flight related. Aerospace and the air travel industry. Let it go to my head, I should let it go.